Rise and Climb with Anna, where I share stories of hope, healing, and hardship to help you overcome the obstacles you face. This is the most listened to family and teen podcast that equips teens and parents with truths to rise and climb to the occasions you are facing today. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody, to Rise and Climb with Anna. Um, I am going to actually cheat a little on this podcast because I did a two for one. I actually gave a sermon at my church. So the whole idea behind my love suffering sermon was this idea that, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. You know, First Corinthians 13, right? We're pretty aware of that. Um, but that actually was written to the Church of Corinth. And um, it wasn't written for wedding ceremonies. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that's not a good one to share. But just know that the message was to the church. And um, the, but a lot of people don't know that the word patience means long suffering. <laughs> and I think it makes so much sense, right? Because when my kids... Um, th- when they want something and I say, no, it's, it makes them suffer and they have to suffer so long because they have to wait so long to get something right. But if this is, you know, if you're listening as a parent here, you know that we have the things that we want now and we deserve now because we worked hard and we did the right things, right? And if you're a kid, you're a teen listening to this, it's the same thing. It's that same idea of, I have been good. I have been doing my homework. I have been cleaning my room. So I want this and I want it now. But sometimes God has a different plan in mind. And it doesn't mean that we've misbehaved or done something bad. It's just God as the perfect father knows the perfect timing. And as a parent, I cannot say that I am God or I do the things right as you know, perfectly as God by any means. But sometimes as a parent, I just have something better in mind, you know, because Benny, if I gave him a gift every single day that he wanted it, then gifts wouldn't be special, right? And if I gave him everything he wanted for his birthday before his birthday, when his birthday came, his birthday in celebrating him wouldn't be special, right? So I'm not withholding gifts from him on his special every day because I'm mean. I'm withholding gifts because I know his personality. And the minute that I keep giving him these gifts, it's it's actually not going to be what fills him and satisfies him. If I spent all of our money on gifts, then I couldn't spend money on trips and doing some other fun and saving for some things that I know he would like and would mean more satisfaction down the road because what there was a study of what truly matters to kids and it's actually not gifts it's experiences and I know that but Benny doesn't know that so as a parent I have to be disciplined in order to not just give him what he wants but give him what he needs and that's experiences that means we can't spend all of our money on dinosaur or dragon toys and God knows that as well he knows that Our hearts, while we might think we want something, that might not be what we actually need in this in for our eternal salvation, for the long haul, for what really matters. So he might withhold it, and that might be painful. That might mean that you're suffering because you want something and it's a long time. So for parents, this might be that you're long suffering in something with your kid or spouse or something at work. You're not getting your way of what, if you could snap your fingers and change something, you're not getting it. 
and that's painful. And so while you have to wait for it, that means you're growing patience in learning how to be content in waiting for it. Now for my teens out there, well, I feel like you can probably take your takeaway from this. You know, it might be waiting for that chance on the the soccer team or whatever team or sport you're a part of. That might be your parents trusting you with some um, responsibilities that you think that you've earned. It might be a gift. It might be a relationship. Um, it might be something, you know. And so what we're really learning is patience as we suffer. So, but the point of this was love and that love is patience. Love suffers long. Love suffering. So that's what I talked about. And I'm kind of skimming my sermon. I'm, I'm not going in it too much, but, um, but I went into and talked about You know, the Bible is clear that we're supposed to do these things, but it doesn't necessarily tell us how to do these things. You know, what do these things exactly look look like? You know, because times Jesus spoke very gentle and kind and patient, right? And other times he was telling people, you're brood of vipers, you're terrible and would toss tables. So sometimes love looks a little different, right? You know, if my parents loved me, then they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't yell at me. They wouldn't ground me. They wouldn't keep me from my friends. They wouldn't take my cell phone away, right? But what I want to talk about, whether you're a parent or a teen, is how we can be patient with others because God is patient with us. We can suffer long for the sake of others and other relationships because God suffers long for the sake of our relationship. So to go into that, I want to talk about Louis Zamperini. And he has an amazing story and one that can be told way better. Look him up on YouTube, Louis Zamperini. This can be another thing that you can do with your teen in the car. Um, or on a date night with your husband is just listen to um, the Louis Zamperini story or if you're single with a friend. Okay, so Louis Zamperini um, was an Italian immigrant. Him and his family moved over here, I think when they were three. So Louis was a little hellion. He raised hell as a kid. He got into all sorts of trouble. His whole life became about getting even. He smoked starting at the age of five. So if you're with your parent in the car, you can say, you think I'm bad. At least I wasn't smoking. But he turned into, um, he loved stealing booze. This was during the prohibition. So lots of reasons. So he loved rebellion. Um, In fact, and getting even. So like people would make fun of him. Like people would make him say swear words and other things. So his whole thing was about getting even. And he was going to show them. Um, So... The the only reason, he, so he became eventually known for running. He went to the Olympics for running. He even shook Adolf Hitler's hand. Okay, spoiler alert with that. But um, how he got into running was a brother, the chief of police and the principal talked him into joining track because they saw, wow, this kid's really good at running. What if we channeled it 
into, you know, something that they could love. And that's what I would say is if you're a parent and you know a kid that's having certain behavioral issues, how can you help come alongside them and channel that? Now, if you're a kid um, listening to this, a, a teen, a young adult, maybe, um, you know, is there a parent that's, or an adult who's trying to love you by helping you? And are you sort of bucking that? So we might complain about things, but sometimes, you know, we, we don't appreciate the people God sends us. Um, so I would argue that this is one of the first times we see God step into Louis's story and suffer long, knowing that Louis would live a life of rebellion away from God for many years, yet God was still going to give him this gift of running and help channel that through other people. He gave him this gift. So he started to run. Um, he ran a 660 yard dash. Um, he came in last the first time he went to a race because he was a smoker and a drinker since the age of five. He was coughing up, you know, and everything. So he was not doing good. However, he didn't give up. So that's what I would say. If somebody is like, hey, you should do this. It'll be really good for you. You should give it a try. Nope that it's going to have its hardships. It's not just going to come easy. But Louis didn't give up, and he eventually broke the world record of a, a one mile in four minutes and 21 seconds, um, and that stood for two decades. He got invited to the, the Olympic team. He talks about how he went over on the boat in the um, to the Olympics, and this is during the Depression. They had so much food that he just, he said he gained about 10 pounds. So this is, this is wild times he was living in. Um, but he went to Berlin um, in the, um, the, the Berlin Olympics. While he finished eighth, um, he finished the last quarter mile in record time. So he was, even though he didn't do good, he still stood out because he ran the last quarter mile so stinking fast. And that actually earned him a spot to meet Adolf Hitler. He said that Adolf actually had a really flimsy handshake. Um, so he returned and ran in college afterwards and all that down. He went to college, but then the World War II broke out. And so he actually, I forget if he got drafted or if he joined, but he joined and became a lieutenant um, officer because he became a pilot. Um, and he, as a pilot, he became known as Lucky Louie, who escaped death. You know, he had many crashes and all that sort of stuff, or, and he was, um, he was known as, I, I shouldn't say a lot of crashes, but he was known for cheating death in the air as a bombardier. So he should have gotten shot down many times and he didn't. I would argue that this is another time that God was working whether Louis felt it or not. And in your life, you might feel like God has left you out to dry in your situation. And we forget about the times that we don't even know that God saved us. For me, I did a lot of stupid things and um, I never felt like God loved me or saved me from anything. But um, Lucky Louie is a good example of, you know, how many times he cheated death and he's still here. So God still had a plan for him. So he went, they went to a mission. They're actually given a really shady plane that should never have gone up. And sure enough, 800 miles south of Hawaii, their plane crashed. 
But Louis was confident that they weren't going to die because they saved people whose plane crashed all the time. Like eventually when they're supposed to be back and they weren't yet, people would come looking for them. So people did come looking for them, but because of the, the, the airlift, they just looked like a white cap. They're rafted. So their plane went down 11, only three of the 11 survived. Louis was one of them, another pilot and another, um, a, a gunner. And, um, and they, the raft, um, blew up. So, so they got in the raft and, um, basically they were, they ended up being the raft for 47 days. So if you can imagine being at sea for 47 days, you know, the week passed where they thought that they're still alive, they're declared dead. Um, they survived by, um, catching shark with their hands, eating the shark liver. Um, they would, the, 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 the birds that would land on their raft, they would kill them and use that as bait to catch the shark. At one point they did eat um, one of the birds. He said it tasted amazing, because but it was so hot during the day and so cold at night. There's a saying that there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. And he says, you can times that by a hundred, um, being lost at sea because you pray like you've never prayed before. And he made all sorts of promises to God. God, save us. If you save me, I will follow you all the days of my life. I will give my life to you and all that. So, um, but they're actually, so 47 days before they found land, but before that, on the 27th day, they were almost, the they, Japanese ships went over them and shot at them for 30 minutes attacked their little raft out of the wind shot it down to the point where they said okay we've been shooting at them for 30 minutes they're dead well they left and all of them survived <laughs> again another talk about a hedge of protection around these people um that god had so there um so they survived that unfortunately um, one of the men did not make it on the on um, in the raft, and he did die. They did a little ceremony and let his body go um, at sea. But eventually, 47 days, they found land. They're obviously really excited, only to find out that it was on Japanese land. And um, they were told they were at Execution Island, or they were brought to Execution Island. So when they got off this boat, they were 65 pounds. They couldn't walk because they're on sea for all that time. They crawled in, um, transferred to Execution Island, where they were told, you're going to die here. All the Marines die here. Um, and, you know, so basically, they was like, okay, well, we made through the crash, but we'll, this is the end. And um, these, the, the, the enemy, the, the, the Japanese at this time, they would throw rice balls at them. That was their food, so they would, they would have to dig in the dirt because the rice would all come apart and eat the rice um he said they had constant diarrhea they he said he was given three experimental shots where they gave him shots and he was supposed to tell them how they felt um so treated absolutely inhumanely he said they went from the open sea to a tiny cell with no light um again praying the whole time lord save us but Louis famous, right? Like Louis met Adolf Hitler. Everybody knew of Louis. He's the fast guy that ran that super fast. Like, so eventually people caught wind of that. And eventually the guards did. And there was a guard known as the bird. 
the bird is so famous because he was such a prominent torture. He was pure evil. Um, Louis wouldn't even speak much of the, the torture. Um, but eventually he was, so he escaped Execution Island. Then he's brought to the bird and treated even more poorly, picked on. He was used as propaganda in a propaganda letter. They asked him to do another propaganda letter where, and actually when he did go on the radio, people did know he was indeed alive, which was great for family back home, but they used it as like propaganda and he refused to do propaganda letter again and got even more picked on. And um, there's a whole movie on this on broken, which is really good. It's hard to watch, but Basically, um, just hardship after hardship because he went to the propaganda letter, was sent to a slave camp, um, slave labor, um, he, even more worse treatment from the bird. But basically in 1945, they were liberated because the war was over. Um, he got out, he was brought back a war hero. You know, people knew of him, he survived. You know, people knew of his story of everything that he survived. Um, he said he, he went home to a whole new life, right? Everything was behind him, so he thought. Um, he was busy being a celebrity. He met his wife, and 10 days later, they got married. They had a daughter. But the problem was, as he said, he never dealt with his demons. He was having terrible dreams, one that resulted him in strangling his wife, um, not to death, but obviously it was not good at home. And... Um, all he did was drink to help him sleep. Um, he would come home drunk. And so his wife said she's going to divorce him. But somebody talked her into going to a Billy Graham event. And when she did, she gave her life to Christ. And then she came home and she said, I'm not going to divorce you because I know Jesus now. And he was like, what? Was this Jesus person? And then he said he would hide from her and her Jesus friends. Um, you know, but eventually he knew that if he, it was the marriage, you know, like his marriage was on the line. So she invited him to the Billy Graham um, event, evangelistic event, and he went and he said, 30 minutes, all this guy did was talk about Jesus. And um, at the end of it, he realized, um, he realized, he said that if anybody would have asked me if I believe in Jesus, I would have said, absolutely without a doubt Jesus is real like his his question wasn't whether God is real or Jesus is real but he said but I knew um in my heart no I didn't know Jesus I knew if I believed in my heart my life would have been different so I didn't possess the savior and that's what he said he's in but um at this um Billy Graham event he said he was preferring his rotten life compared um to the life to the light. And um, he started having flashbacks of the life raft, the prison camp, the thousands and thousands of prayers that he prayed to God, spare me. Um, I would pray, God, save me from the war and I'll seek you and serve you. And But I come back from the war alive and I never even thought about those prayers. I never tried to keep one prayer. So when I got up from my knees, I knew I was free from getting drunk and I knew I had forgiven my captors. So just by inviting Jesus into his life, he became free from the demons that followed him and was able to forgive his captors, the ones who mercilessly tortured him.
he said, I haven't had a nightmare since that night in 1949. And he was a very old man um, at this point when he was giving. So um, for 50, 60, 70 years, he was free from dreams. And I really want to camp out here a little because you might have somebody in your life who is an abuser. You might have somebody in your life who has made so many promises to you and broken them. Um, you might have somebody that loves their addiction more than you and it's really hurtful. And that you feel, if you love me, this would change. This would be different. And they might say all the nice things and smooth you over. And, um, and then it always goes back. And I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries. Abs boundaries are 100% appropriate. If it has to do with devaluing who you are and taking away your dignity as a person, then boundaries are absolutely need to be put in place. But with that being said, forgiveness knows no boundaries. You know, freedom knows no boundaries, right? And um, just by that personal relationship with the Lord, we can be free from the, from the hurt, free from the behavior that, that was driven from the hurt, and we can be a new and changed and different person. Um, so the young boy who grew up always wanting to get even, he went back to Japan, he spoke with the guards, he was even willing to speak with the bird and say, I forgive you. But um, the bird wouldn't meet with him, but he met with the guards and said, I forgive you. He shared Jesus with the guards and many of those guards, many of his enemies ended up accepting Christ. So especially if you're a teen and you, you, know, you are that bullied person, or maybe you're the bullier, there is always opportunities to forgive, to accept God's forgiveness and because of that, we can forgive. And um, so, so Louis says, kind of at the end of it, that in 1998, he returned to Japan to, to run the Olympics. He said, I believe with all my heart that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So whatever you have in your life right now, it might seem... Like it is setting you up for the worst, but it could be what sets you up to meet your creator, to be meet the lavishing love. And that's what I want to go back to is that as awful as the things that Louis went through, he made a lot of promises to the Lord that he did not keep, right? And he, he was not a very nice man. He basically beat his wife. He was abusive to his wife. He was neglectful to his children and his wife. He lied to God. He manipulate, tried to manipulate God. I don't think we can really manipulate God, you know, but if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. False promises, lots of work. And yet God still sent Billy Graham to reach his wife and his wife still pursued him with the message of grace and, and brought him to the, the tent revival. And God waited to be in relationship with Louis and suffered that 
break in relationship. Because even though God was there with Louis, there wasn't that close relationship, right? And so you might have that frayed relationship. But if you don't give up, if you suffer long, if you work at forgiving and receiving your forgiveness and your love from the Lord so that you can forgive and love others, then when that person is ready, that relationship can be there and it can be fresh as new. Because God's like, I already forgave you. And now you can receive my forgiveness. And he received that freedom. So we have the freedom to suffer long in patience because God suffers long in patience for the relationship with us. I just think that's so cool. Um, so that's what I, I wanted to share. Um, and I really like the song, The Amazing Grace, um, because I think it, it goes so long because when we're talking about doing, you know, your thing is like, banana, you don't get it. This relationship is bust. It sucks. You don't understand. Um, you're at, I may not understand everything. I have my own stories. You wouldn't understand those. And I don't think the point is to understand or to go exactly through things that, you know, other people go through in order to have empathy and compassion. But God understands, you know, he understands every heartbreak that we went through. You know, he's gone through loss. He went through abuse. He went through torture. He even went through death, right? And, um, but he conquered it. And that's why on my rise and climb label underneath the mountains, I have the empty tomb because I don't want a cross on there because the cross is meaningless if the tomb isn't empty. And because Jesus conquered death, we can conquer anything, even to the point of death, um, because we know his purpose. So I just want to kind of end on that note that um, I don't know exactly what you've been through. And I'm not saying that it's easy to forgive or it's easy to suffer long because you've been waiting for years for this person to change and they don't. Um, but what I that's where when we're in our weakness, when we can't do it, when we don't want to forgive, when we don't have the energy or the knowledge or the wisdom or even could give two poops at this point. We reach out to God and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my grace, my power works best in your weakness. So if you have something that you know you need to give to God, but you feel so weak in, that's when his power works the best. Look at Louis at the point, the rock bottom in his life, a drunk, you know, strangling his wife, totally negligent to his daughter. He was completely weak in his own power to do anything about his circumstances in life. That's when God's power whooshed in. That's why I would say you're never too far gone. There's never a point where it has anything to do about you being strong enough to love, suffer, to long suffer for somebody or relationship or to go through something, but that's where his grace comes in. So I really recommend you, you know, reading or listening to Amazing Grace. Um, and, um, and then the other thing that I want to say as a personal note is sometimes I see my kids struggling with something and God might be watching you struggle with this. And we're going to keep this relating to 
being impatient about something. So my son, he wants a Lego build. He wants it built right away. He wants the exact piece, right? And he, you know, and he might have all the pieces and you just can't get it together. Well, sometimes I, I will step in and help him. But other times I realize that this is more about him gaining the skills. And if I step in, I'm going to take away his ability to gain the skills. So you might be praying for a relationship or a sticky situation to just go away and be done with. And just, you know, if you could snap your fingers like that. And I just want them to disappear. I don't want to have to forgive them or love them or whatever. And I don't blame you. And you might be saying, God, where are you? You help me out. If you love me, you would help me out. You would take this away, you know? And, but my son needs to learn development skills. He needs to learn patience. He needs to learn how to deep breathe in stressful situations. And if I step in every single time, he's not going to learn those skills. So then when he's older and he wants to make a bigger Lego, or if he needs to do a school project, or if he's making something for his girlfriend or future wife, or is he's making something for his kid, he needs to have skills to be able to deep breathe, problem solve, you know, use everything that he's learned to come together to work through a tough situation, right? Because he's not going to love his family really well. if He's freaking out because his Lego snapped. You know what I mean? So sometimes we question where God is, but he might need us to learn some skills in that setting season. And um, because he knows, so he might not step in right away. So sometimes we think God's so mean, he's just waiting. And Benny might look at me and think, mom, aren't you helping? Why don't you do this for me? But I wouldn't be loving him if I just stepped in. And so sometimes love suffering as from the parents Patience from the parents means I have patience to not step in. I have patience. I trust that he is equipped with the right skills. He has everything he needs to do it. So you might need to hear that today, that you do have the skills, that God does have them in you. Not to do on your own. You cry out. You have the Holy Spirit, but say, God, help me. I need help with this and he will give you the wisdom you know maybe it's taking a break maybe it's a deep breath maybe it's learning something oh I didn't know that about this so that's what I would say is if you feel like God is not is like over being patient with you it's like he's like disappeared he's non-existent that might not be it he's saying no you've got this I know you do you can do this I believe in you go get it you got this all right, so that being said, God bless. Please reach out with any questions, comments, concerns. Would love to hear them. Help you guys out. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give Rise and Climb a five-star review or share it with someone you think who would equally enjoy it. If you also feel so led, you can support this podcast with either a one-time donation or monthly subscription to help pay for sound and editing equipment that helps produce more kingdom-driven and relevant-to-the-times content. God bless.